Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I want to talk in our smack talk time about Orlando. You know, I don't think you, you, you can call it before the pipe. I don't think you could call that smack <laughs> talk, though. I think, you know, I I can't believe everything that's happened in Orlando. Did you hear about the little toddler in Orlando? Yes, got eaten by an alligator. Dude. I'm like, what is up with Orlando? It's like, man, oh my gosh, it, it's not, I don't know, Orlando is just not the vacation destination it used to be. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm telling you, man, it's, uh, it, it's been crazy. The, the news has been heartbreaking, and I think what maybe is even more heartbreaking is how um, everybody just turns to fighting over it, like rather than just having some dignity. And saying, hey, you know what? Like, let's just mourn it. Like, that sucks, you know? No, nobody should be gunned down. I don't I don't care. I, you know, the thing is, is like, okay, we got the politics going on right now with the elections. And you just, it, it really is disgusting how everything's yeah. got to be politicized on both sides of the aisle. I mean, yeah. and is it no wonder that Republicans hate Democrats and Democrats hate Republicans when tragedies like this happen. And it's like, oh, we'll see. That's why we need gun control. Or, oh, see, that's why we need to loosen gun control. And I mean, it's like, dude, seriously? Oh, my gosh. I can't stand it. I just can't stand it. In fact, I haven't heard or seen one post online with people making this a let's condemn homosexuality. No, but you know what? I, I thought about there. that same thing too. And, and I think maybe perhaps look at who our circle of friends are on Facebook. 
Yeah, church planners, right? Right, which already understand the game that they're in and, you know, the 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 environment, if you will. So I think that's probably why we don't see it as much. I don't know if that's the way it's going to be for perhaps the average everyday Christian online, you know? Yeah, I'm just seeing a lot of straw men arguing from Christian leaders right now as if they're arguing against these phantom Christians that are bashing gays over this. And it makes them look really good. But for me, I kind of feel like, you know what, I see through that, man. Like you're, you know, everyone's going to applaud and that's great. And you're so enlightened. And you know what, it's not even been made about that. Like, don't, don't take it there. Because when you start trying to show, hey, I'm not like that, I'm not like that by your post, you're actually making a look like, like others are. And other than the Westboro Baptist Church, they're the only ones that I've seen saying that. For, for the rest of everyone else, I'm kind of seeing them. You know, when it comes to the actual incident in Orlando, they're just saying, you know, that's we're, we're praying for them, and and that's sad. And gosh, you know, we'll, 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 we're praying for the survivors, and you know, that's heartbreaking. And um, but I, I just Christian leaders don't try to like make mm-hmm. yourself look really good by posting things that show how enlightened you are. Like if you really feel genuinely compassionate, you know, say something, but. Don't bash a church while you're doing it. I just, I don't know, man. I That's leaving a bad taste in my mouth because I'm just, again, it's a straw man argument. I'm not seeing those people out there talking that way. I think I think most of them are kind of dead by now or they're in the Westboro Baptist Church. But what, what I think if the united voice of the church wasn't like, hey, let's fight amongst ourselves or, or you know, fight against the phantom critics of the homosexual lifestyle, maybe... If we just showed compassion and just said what normal human beings in the secular field are saying, yeah, the politicization, I, I think you either do that stuff or you don't. And we're never going to see that stop. People that are just that narrow minded to make it about, you know, even even Obama. I mean, I, I you know, that guy has charisma, man. He could he could get up there and, and say some fantastic things that are presidential. And I, I watched him. Last night, he, he just turned it into a slugging match against Donald Trump. And, you know, and I, you and I talk about we're not political. You know, neither one of us belong to either party. I, I'm, I've got too much of Europe in me to, to really cater or pander to either side. But it gets old, man. Like, just put all that stuff aside and just say, that sucks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, one, because... I mean, we had the San Bernardino shootings, and then you've got these in Orlando. Um, we had the blo- the Boston bombings, and it 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 definitely is taking more of a feel of like, okay, <clears throat> this might be turning into more of a guerrilla war um, domestically than Americans yeah. are really truly. I don't mean like comfortable with like who would ever be comfortable with it, but like they're starting to see. Wow, man, this stuff might be coming home to roost. And absolutely. And what what's not happening yet, which needs to happen, if you know what it's so funny to me, having lived in Europe for the time I did, um, I still remember the talks with Sinn Fein going on in Ireland when I was over there and them still having the occasional bomb go off. Um, you know, the the whole North Ireland, Northern Ireland, South Southern Ireland, the the whole conflict there. Catholics and Protestants. This is not new. This Britain has been dealing with this for decades. When 9-11 hit, obviously it was on a scale that was unprecedented. 
But, you know, the Brits were like, man, you guys are, this is what was happening with us. It's on your own soil, people blowing up civilians. And they're like, you guys, we've been through this. We, we know how much this hurts. I remember people talking to me going, I, I know it's painful. The world was mourning with us at 9-11. But I remember the, the perspective of the British is like, hey, we know, you know, and, and so when this stuff happens, you kind of need to look to maybe some countries and America doesn't. America thinks it lives in a vacuum. If it, if this happens, America thinks, oh my gosh, we're the only ones to ever go through this stuff. And, uh, and, and, and because when you watch American news, you don't see the rest of the world on the news. You watch what happened, what happens in America. But if you live in Europe, you see what happens in every other country in the world because the news tells you what's going on worldwide. America, well, but has it's also, it's a different America. geographic situation too. They're so close to all these other countries. Whereas America is kind of like, I mean, we got Canada to the north, and then we got Mexico to the south, and that's it. We got two neighboring countries. So, Except that they're literally, uh, you know, as a small little island, um, the, the packs a wallet, man. They, they, they're kind of important for a little island. They actually, uh, for Britain, I'm talking now, the BBC, they'll report on Australia, China, Russia. I mean – they're not just talking to people that are close to them, but but you you come out being a more uh, well informed. I would say uh, you're, you're more abreast of what's going on globally in the world. Um, you know, probably most Americans don't realize that right now Britain's talking about um, pulling out of the 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 economic you know the European Economic Union. Um, that would everyone else in the world knows this. This is a big deal, you know. But uh, you know they 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 had a big vote about. It. Probably most Americans don't even know what in the heck I just said. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm not bashing in America. I'm I'm just saying like the rest of the world is a little bit more globally aware. And anyways, the point I was getting to with this was uh, when you get to Northern Ireland, um, what, what they did was they started bringing the leaders of these movements together and having summits. That's not something that we've done yet. We're not grabbing uh, Muslim leaders. We're not grabbing, um, people on both sides and sitting down and talking. And that needs to happen. It's not going to happen, but that was what Britain at first Britain's like, Hey, screw them, man. We're just going to find them. We're going to root them out. We're going to blow them to, to hell. And that didn't work. So fine, because it was a guerrilla war. And finally they said, you know what? We're going to call it a ceasefire. We're going to sit down at a table. It's what Israel's been trying because it worked in Ireland. And uh, eventually, um, you know, it's, it's the kind of stuff Gandhi was working for. It's what Martin Luther King Jr. went for. Eventually, we're going to have to, you know, uh, kind of sit down with these people. And it may go well, may not go well. But that's the only way these things have ever been stopped. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy, man. And then you, you got your own... Family uh, safety coming to mind, like you and I both know of one church planner who uh, recently um, had to buy a gun because he lives in such a bad area every night they hear gunshots. And he's like, dude, I need to have a gun to protect my family. Like, these are the people we've been called to reach, but um, if they come into my house when they're not supposed to be in my house, I need to protect my family. And... uh so, I mean, there's, there's like a lot of those thoughts going on. I mean, I know for myself, I, I've got 
I, I might have a, a gun or two. We'll just leave it at that. If you want to uh, uh, test your luck over here at the Mitchell House, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I was like, true, true story. The guns man. marketing, baby. I, I was like looking at it. I'm like, man, I wonder what it takes to get a concealed carry permit. Because I'm just like, dude, it's just getting crazy out there, like gnarly of, you know, and do you really need that kind of thing? I mean, at what point do you go, okay, well, look, I'm just going to trust God. And what, I mean, I, you know, there's like all these thoughts going through your head because it's like the world is changing around us. Like for an American, the world is completely changing. Like you said, they've been dealing with this stuff in Europe for a long time. We have not been. I mean, we've really been yeah, soft. I mean, even think about World War II. I mean, other than Pearl Harbor, when the World War II was over, we came back to a strong country that was, you know, didn't have any real damage to it other than, of course, uh, Pearl Harbor. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a real complex issue. Um, I'm, I'm watching people online say it's very simple. You're a Christian. They're arguing for pacifism. But, but the deal is we don't have a pacifistic God. I mean— He's, if you look at his track record, he weren't a pacifist. And at the end of the ages, he's not really going to just play nice and give everyone hugs either. He says he's going to judge. And uh, when they had a huge tragedy, um, like we did this week, they went and asked Jesus, hey, you know, Tower of Siloam fell on people and Caesar slaughtered a bunch of Jews. I mean, you know, what do we do with that, Jesus? And he goes, well, let me just put it like this. You're all going to perish like that if you don't repent. I mean, you know, Jesus was not PC, and he said things, as much as you may think I'm a jerk for bringing that up, um, Jesus said things that that were hard to swallow. And he's not a pacifist. And I'm totally, you know, I don't have my mind made up on this. I'm thinking, I'm processing, I'm listening to the arguments that people are making. Um, and, And I think you know, it's always interesting to see things put in context like this, but you also can't have a knee-jerk response. You have to weigh things. You have to look at things in a balanced way, take the long view, look at the short view, look at the extremes, look at things normally. And uh, and I just, I, I think we have a lot of people that just get very emotional when these things happen. And it, and it concerns me that people want to make decisions with their emotions. Yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not happy. No, I mean it's 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 just you know I I also look back. Okay, so we know at the uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter uh, had a sword he was packing, and then you see yeah, like over the course of his life from that point forward through Acts, I mean he's got a different mindset too because yeah, he willingly goes to jail. He's not like trying to fight. To, to keep from going to jail. Like there was, there was a transition that happened. So, I mean, there's so many different ways that you could take this, but you know, like yeah. we've, well, like we've talked about before, we do have a responsibility to protect our families. Um, well, and, and like you said, you know, uh, Peter's carrying a sword and they say, look, Lord, we have two swords. And Peter, Jesus doesn't say, look, man, you know, boom, boom, boom. We don't, we don't do that. He does tell Peter, put away his sword. And I think that's for Peter's protection. Peter's about to get killed. <laughs> he says, put it away. And he heals a guy's, <laughs> he heals a guy's ear right. and tells Peter, put your sword down, you know? And, um, and, and Peter drops his sword, but you know, they said to him, "Hey, Lord, we got two. And and look, I'm I, all I'm trying to say is I keep seeing Christians talk about pacifism as if it's biblical. 
that's cool if that's your personal preference. I don't have any problem with someone saying, hey, I'm a pacifist on moral obligations. But don't try to say the Bible's pacifistic. You know, even Paul in Romans comes in and says, hey, the 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 Romans, you know, they wield the sword because God gave it to him. And he literally says to punish the ungodly. Now, I know that is not happy talk. And I know that that goes down like a tough mm. pill. I'm telling you what the Bible says. I'm not telling you this is how you ought to think. I'm just telling you, like, these are the words that Paul uses to say, hey, he bears a sword for a reason, and God gave him that. So when he's saying submit to the government. And and so then you got to ask the question, if you're, if you're a Christian pacifist, does that mean you can't be a police officer because it's unbiblical, because you carry a gun? Does that mean you can't be a soldier now? You can't join the military because... Under Christian obligation, you should say no. I'm, a, and there are people that argue that, and I and I get it, and I I respect it, but I, I and I understand the complexities and the dilemmas that you must feel to come to that conclusion. I just haven't come to that conclusion, and you know I'll do some more research and read some books. I have not yet read Preston Sprinkle's book Fight. I intend to do that, um, but you know I'm just telling you based on what I've seen in Scripture so far. The jury's out for me. Yeah, you know, and one other thing too. This is kind of off the subject, but it's it's what's been going through my head lately. Uh, The History Channel recently did a remake of Roots, and uh, so I had recorded. It was like a four part miniseries, and I recorded it. And so I started watching it the other night. I'm only through uh, two of the the four episodes, but um, have you ever seen Roots before? Have you seen the the one that they did years I, ago. I never saw the first one. What I saw was They Call Me Bruce. And uh, they have a little scene where this guy's like testing weapons on a dummy and he's shouting, your name's Toby. And, no, Kunta Kinte. And he's like having a little rant. And that's all I know from Roots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that's 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 <laughs> a central theme, if you will, of Kunta Kinte is like, no, my name is not Toby. It's Kunta Kinte. And right. Um <laughs> but it the 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 thought that's gone through my head. I mean, it's just it is brutal. I mean, the way that uh, that you see slavery unfolding is just mm-hmm. horrific. Yeah. And you got to think, okay, um, I know that this stuff happened. It probably happened a lot, which is like freaking just mind-bogglingly like crazy that's the thing is like like i think about myself and i can really identify with kunta kente because you know he's born free he's in africa he's free and um you know an enemy of his father basically uh captures him and sells him off to the uh the the slave trade and he finds himself i believe it's in virginia is where where he spends most of his life and he's always trying to escape because he's free, right? Like that's who he is. I'm free. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not your slave. I mean, and, and they just beat everyone and rape the women whenever they want. And um, I mean, just there, there's a brutal scene where they capture him from running away, and and basically they chop off the top of his foot to keep him from running oh. next time. Just oh my gosh, brutal. And I, I, that's horrific. Yeah. And I think about it and I'm like, okay, so where, 
where is God in this? And you like, here's, mm-hmm. here's an interesting thought. Um, and this is kind of off the subject, guys. And I realize our smack talk is not as funny as it normally is. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't yeah, even gotten to our topic. <laughs> so, you know, someone all week, somebody out there all week has been thinking, man, I'm tired of the news. I'm tired of all this hate. And I'm tired of <laughs> Can't wait to get to Pete and Peyton and hear them talk absolute nonsense because everyone knows they don't address this stuff. They just talk like it didn't happen. They talk about Star Wars and G.I. Joe's. I need that. And. There we are. And then, and this is what we give them this week. But, uh, see, now I don't even remember what I was talking about. What was he saying about Kunta Kente? Oh, yeah. Well, so, okay. So, like, you can tell the, the Hollywood influence on, uh, on the Roots movie and how it's changed from the original. But one of the things mm-hmm. that is, it's, it's, some people had to have thought this, but at the same time, too, I also wonder how much of this is like Hollywood's personality coming through, the, you know, the writer's personality. Because they make this comment about Jesus. They're like, yeah, Jesus hasn't really done anything for the black folk. And and you got to think that that's probably a thought that went through a lot of people's minds and probably still to this day. You know, you know yeah. because if you neglect what Jesus actually did for every person muslim uh uh christian black white you know whatever right however you want to classify people saved them from uh their sins if they if they choose to repent that's kind of a big deal but right um but i also you know here's an interesting thought that that i've had going through my head uh Looking at my own situation, without getting into all the details, guys, I mean, there there was a time in my life, I call it the dark time in my life, where um, I had prayed really hard that uh, I, I, there was, I was dating this gal, I was pretty sure I was going to marry her, um, and I was I would laying down the fleece before God. I'm like, God, if this is the one for me, then I need you to, like, show me that this is the, the right girl for me. And... Mm. Basically, some stuff happened that could not have happened had God not had his hand in it, right? It just couldn't have happened. So I'm like, that's God saying this is the one. And, you know, obviously today I know that that's not the case. But right. I also look at it. Part of what uh, happened in my life at that point is basically my parents had, had uh, for lack of a better term, they just decided to ground me, Um I was in college. They, I, I, I had failed Spanish for the last time. Like that was like a big thing to them. How dare you, you know, uh, not pass Spanish? And so they made me come uh, live up in San Francisco. And I went to college down in Southern California. And um, the point of the story is, is that's what led to the disintegration of this relationship with this girl, is because I had to go live at home and you know, for all kinds of reasons. And, but that, but that was it. Like if I had been in Southern California, we uh, wouldn't have broken up. And, and I, by the way, just so you know, I can see on the uh, picture behind you, the reflection of you looking at Facebook. So I appreciate you really paying attention to my story. That that means I'm actually not looking at Facebook. I'm, <laughs> I could, I'm, I'm scrolling through my pictures while you're talking. Oh, okay. Cause it looks like <laughs> Facebook. It's from, not Facebook from, from the, uh, from the glass. But um, man, I got, I forgot I put that there. 
<laughs> so now when you're on Facebook. Zoom look, with look like on Ma- Facebook, I'm not on there. I promise. <laughs> you're like talking to Mac Lake, and he, he can like see in the background what you're doing <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> No, those are those are my eye photos. I'm just looking at my eye photos was open. So 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 anyway, here is my point. Let me let me bring this back but around. I, I was listening and you got grounded and you weren't in Southern yeah, California. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I know you weren't listening. listening. Yeah, I know you weren't listening. I was so listening. Let's just move on. I'm totally listening. But see, so here on. here's my point though, right? So I've been thinking about uh Joseph. You know, when Joseph, when he talks to his brothers, he goes, you know, I'm your brother, Joseph, who you sold into slavery. You meant it for evil, but God used it to save you. You know, God used this for good. And um, now my parents didn't mean it for evil when they made me come live at home, though I definitely took it that way, right? Um, And so then the thought kind of hits me, okay, could I really still to this day be angry at my parents for that when... God did that for a reason, and the reason I believe is so I would end up meeting the woman that I would marry, and so that that relationship mm. would end. Um, and there's a lot more to the story, guys, which I'm not getting into, but my point is, okay, so should I even be upset with my parents about this? Because this is this is what God's plan was. Like He had to keep me from Southern California, so that way this relationship would end, so I could, when I did return back down there, um, meet the girl who he wanted for me and, and therefore get married to uh, the woman that I love and have these two beautiful kids and all of that stuff, right? And so then the thought crosses my mind, okay, so we, we're looking at all this absolutely evil in the world from slavery to everything that happened in Orlando to you know even that poor little toddler that got eaten by the alligator in Orlando. I mean, it's just like, some people look at that and go, okay, well, Jesus, what has he really done for us? Well, who's to say that he's not using that to bring you to him? You know, he, he's yeah. not going to use this stuff to bring people to him. And if we only look at one side of it, yeah. we go, how evil this is. It is. There's no doubt it is. There's no, you can't make what happened in Orlando and go, oh, it's not evil. It's evil. Slavery, it's evil. Yeah. You look at all these things, it's absolutely evil. But God can use those things to still... Um, bring us to him. So, yeah, and it, it's interesting that you're bringing this up in in relationship to to roots because that movie uh, Amistad that came out years yeah. ago, yeah, um, that that was fascinating because they show these guys in prison and how they really related t- to Jesus through the. Pictures. They're like, look, he's chained up like us. Look, he's being beaten. And whip like us. Who is this? He's supposed, and and they're pointing at it's a it's a powerful scene. And of course, it's um, my train. Uh, it's it's very powerful. I mean, you know, my my children are African American mixed, but dude, it breaks my heart. Like I can't even tell you. Just even the thought of of my kids going through that's terrible. I I'd say I cry at stuff now like that that I never. Yeah. You know, I, I did before like movies, uh, like glory and there's, there's some great movies that bring things out that are good, you know, for, for white folk like us beat. But, but the reality is, man, I connect with the black community in, in a way now and identify with them in a way I never did. And, um, but you know, just watching Spielberg, who's not a Christian, just show the, that why the gospel took such root. 
how they related to Jesus and they realize he's suffering for me because I'm suffering. Like that's, that's my daily life, you know, right. um, it's powerful, powerful. Yeah. If you haven't seen that film, definitely see that. And, uh, and yeah. So we but should who probably... knows about the providence of God. Who, who knows, man, that like that whole thing you're talking about, you're right. God brings all those things around. We don't know. I, I like what one guy said. He said that the providences of God are like Hebrew letters. You can only read them backwards. <laughs> so you got to get on the other side of it. You, you know, so you made me God's stop and think. Backwards. I'm like, wait a second here. What, what is this? Wait. Oh, wait. Most of Peyton says. They write right stupid. to left. I gotcha. <laughs> okay. All right. That's one of those intellectual jokes. Great. Gotcha. Funny. It, Way it to was, go. It was it was a deep th- well, you gave your, you know, deep thoughts with Pete to ponder. <laughs> so I had to give my deep thoughts with Peyton to ponder, you know? <laughs> uh, I dig it. Well, you know, let me ask you just something real quick before we get into the meat of our subject. Uh, you know, Peyton, have you been meaning to get your church started with some online giving? I have. Now, let's be honest. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? No, but I would have if I knew how to operate it. <laughs> I would have if I'd been a webmaster. <laughs> if it, if it, what do you think I am a scientist? Well, stop it. <laughs> a better solution is here. It's called mogive.com forward slash church. Mogive. It's like an M in your O and your G and your I and your V. No we mogive.com forward slash church. <laughs> it is an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new, growing, and shrinking churches. Go to mogive.com forward slash church and register for your account. They got all kinds of freebies going on this summer, so head on over there, guys. Alrighty then. Preach! So now that all we've right. uh, done like the worst smack talk ever for... Uh, I liked it. I, I thought our smack talk was good. But it wasn't funny. Our smack talk's supposed to be funny. Hey, hey, no one can be a comedian all the time, right? That's what I, my wife I am, keeps telling We're me. like the clowns who cry sometimes. We're <laughs> sad clowns today. Dude, let's not bring up clowns because those... Those are scary. That's another whole another can of worms that we just don't need to open. I, you know, I don't get the scary. No, dolls with knives. I get being afraid of them, but scary clowns. I don't. I, Clown they don't. dolls with knives. Oh, I'm telling okay. you. Okay, okay. You got a point there. It goes right in with point. the little people thing. I'm telling you, if a little person showed up at my oh. house in a clown outfit, I'm I'm kicking. <laughs> I'm kicking. That's you know all what I'm the saying. scariest thing in a doll is? Is the teeth. I, have you ever seen like the really old dolls and they're like, look, those teeth are made out of ivory. And you just immediately start thinking of that thing gnawing on you, right? Like, nah, 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 nah. I, I'm telling you, the teeth on dolls are the freakiest part about dolls. They don't even need knives. No, it's the eyes. Oh, the eyes are freaky. It's too, the but, eyes but, that always follow you. No matter where you are in the room, the doll is looking at you. That doll's Hair is made of human hair. Oh, and look, they, it's actually made from real teeth. It's got real. Oh, that's a voodoo doll. It's going to come alive and eat me. You know that's what's going to happen. I, Sorry, Mo Give. This is where we went after your commercial. <laughs> so uh, remember, Pete and I have credibility, and you should definitely go join Mo Give. <laughs> 
So uh, let's actually get into our topic, which we haven't introduced. And before we do, let me actually tell you to uh, move your phone to another area, because every time you get a text message, your uh, mic picks it up really clear. <laughs> it's my computer, I think. It's coming no, through. No, it's, the, it's it, the vibration. Is it? Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah, it's the vibration. So uh, yeah. what's today's topic? Amateur. I'm an amateur, man. Let's deal with that. What's today's topic? There we go. Today's topic is I feel like we should have I feel like Gary Vaynerchuk show like today's topic is and it should be a groovy beat behind me. I'm gonna try Doc Brown. Let me know if you well, yeah. can you hear him? Like let me know if no. you can. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Well he just said it's time for this week's topic. And today's topic is the transitions that your church plant needs to make. Specifically, I uh I, I think you need to get a little bit more specific because you started this before we got on the podcast. I was like, this is going to be a good topic because you're, can you hear my dogs barking? Boy, my dog's barking. Boy, my dog's barking. Because you had said um, your core team is not necessarily your leadership team. I find that to be a really yeah. interesting concept. Well, here, here's the deal is, you know, your church plant, it, it always goes to a transition and, and, those of you that listen to the podcast know that I'm not a big launch guy. I'm not into, um, you know, we're going to go public and have hundreds of thousands of dollars and cool if you want to do that. I mean, I, I think most church planners are like, Hey man, if you're wired for that and you're, you're that kind of capacity leader, go for it. Like no one's judging, but you know, there's that which is like an anomaly in the church planning world. You know, I think like 5% of church planners do that. And then there's the rest of us, the other 95% of church planners who are never going to do the big launch and are just going to kind of, you know, bloom where they're planted and work hard for the gospel and reach as many lost people as they can. Um, but they're not going to do this ginormous uh, big launch. And so most of us start with a core team and we start, if we're doing it biblically and doing it correctly, um, we start with... Uh, reaching lost people. Now, let me step aside on a little rant here. Um, one one of the things that I tell people with new breed church planning, and you know, you've heard it on this podcast that we train people to do is to reach lost people because a lot of church planner training is telling you how to start a church. In other words, to start this phantom thing called a church, um, and it you start this institution. And once you've started this institution effectively, it's like a business startup that can't generate income and it ultimately folds. And so when you're operating that, what we often find is a lot of the church planner training, definitely not multiply, definitely not new breeds training, but a lot of the training out there is telling you how to start this thing. And they train you to start the thing, but they don't train you to reach a lot. So ultimately it fails because it can't do what Paul did in the book of Acts. And so a lot of the, you know, the good church planner training is going to kind of be a misnomer when it says church planner training, like jump school. We are going to train you how to do what Paul did in the first century, because if you do that stuff and you know how to do that stuff, then a church plant is going to happen. It's just going to. If you're doing what Paul did in Acts, churches are going to get planted and it's going to be a result of what we're training you to do. So in a weird way, that's why a lot of our training is different than what you see out there because we're not focusing on the thing. We'll tell you what to do with the thing when you do the stuff that makes the thing 
a thing. Does that make sense? It does. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> could you hear it? So going back, I, I did. How did that happen? I fixed it. Yay. We're back <laughs> with sound effects, boys and girls. Woo-hoo. Now the podcast will be fun it? and exciting once again. Yes, indeed. And now we can now we can go back. Maybe that was why we weren't funny. We I think we should redo the smack talk. At. Let's start all over again. Okay, start all over. <laughs> Round two. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> For the third time, we'll restart it. So, uh, hey, don't do that. Um, it, 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 don't eat that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm scratching my mustache. Okay. It's not a booger. It's not a booger. <laughs> There's no gummy bear up my nose. Oh, man, I will forever wonder whenever I'm talking to you now if there's a something lodged up there. Me too, actually. <laughs> so here's the deal, right? Um, so, so talking about transitions. So going from that, you know, we're going to train you to do what Paul did. Uh, the reality is at every church planner at a certain stage when he's first getting going, he starts feeling like, it starts changing. And that's not mission drift. That's not that, you know, it's morphing. It can morph into its own thing. People can manipulate and steer. We're not even talking about that. There are natural transitions that happen that can take you kind of a little bit, you know, off your balance. Like, well, what's happening? Like, for example, um, my, my first, uh, church plant that, that was kind of like I was leading because I was in some that I wasn't leading. Um, the first one I was leading, I remember when we hit the 75 people mark, it felt different. It felt less raw and renegade and guerrilla warfare. And remember, we didn't let Christians come. So these were like primarily, other than a couple people that would join us here and there, um, that were like, we're ready to roll up our sleeves and get into mission. We were just seeing people saved. But I remember at 75 people, it felt less like a mission. It started feeling different. And then when we hit 120 people, it it started getting more difficult to bring everybody together. And so there's going to be these certain transitions. But the, the primary one I want to focus on today is your core team. When you when you first get it going and it's in the, the very first startup and, you know, maybe like uh, let me start off with a couple of phone calls. I got two phone calls this week from two different planners. And both of them at a certain point in the conversation said, hey, you know, I was planting and my church plant failed. And uh, the first conversation the guy mentioned, I guess he had tried to get in touch with or wanted to get in touch with me. And the person hadn't passed my information on. So I called him within two weeks of getting his information and said, hey, I'm, I'm Peyton. Um, so-and-so told me to, you know, you might want to talk about church planning. And he, he, he was like, oh, man, thanks, you know, but I'm not doing that anymore. I tried, but I failed. And, and to both of the guys at this comment, I'll tell you about the second one. But to both of the guys, I said, you know what? Let me just back up there and tell you my philosophy of church planning. Um, nobody fails who tried. Um, the only failure is the guy who reads church planning books and thinks about it, prays about it, talks about it. And never does it. And the reason I have that mentality is because in the first century, Paul went to communities, did the stuff we were talking about, and no churches got planted. 
So what you did, hopefully, if you did what Paul did, there's no such thing as failure. You just move on and do the next thing. You do something different. Kind of like we've talked, Pete, about being an entrepreneur. That you don't fail as an entrepreneur if you're, it just didn't pop. And so you say, okay, well, go on to the next thing. The entrepreneur who uh, starts something, it, it doesn't work. And then he goes, well, I'm done. I guess I'm not an entrepreneur. It never was an entrepreneur. The church planner who does that and stops and says, I'm done because that didn't work. He's not a church planner. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I would say, though, that, um, that in business, we do consider it a failure. But we're also not looking at the long term, right? Because God's got, yeah. God can see around the corners. He's got the top down view. He knows what's really going on behind the scenes and, and he can see how your actions affect 10, 12, 15 steps out that we'll never see, right? So that's why yeah. I do agree with you that it's not a failure. Um, in business, though, we do call it a failure. And uh, really, unless you had a few of those, I, I don't want to go in business with you. Like, I don't want to partner with you yeah. because you need to kind of have this, this, this strength, this, you know, you need to have gone through the hardship. If it's always I been agree. unicorns, you know, rainbows, puppy dog tails, forget it, man. Where, where are you going to be when I think the hardship for church, comes? Yeah. And I think for church plants, the same, like I got kicked in the nuts before I, I knew as a church planner, but when I did, um, that would have been a failure. I was leaving Wales as a ministerial, I, I felt a fel- failed missionary um, because you know I was done. I was like, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this anymore. You know, God don't want to work for you, all that. But at the end of the day, it prepped my heart for real ministry, which was, again, to reach the lost, to not try to be something or or, or build something, just to get out of God's way. And mm-hmm. I think... That failure, quote unquote, you know, um, because I, I hadn't tried to do a church plant. But like I said, for me, the real failure is a guy who never does anything. And so, you know, when, when you go to a conversation like this and the guy says, you know, I feel like I failed and I get it. I totally get what he's saying. I'm not trying to be semantic. I'm not trying to split hairs. But what I said to him is I said, well, what are you doing now? And he said, well, when my church plant, it failed, what, what I did is, you know, I just thought maybe I'll just have a Bible study. And so I invited my mom, you know, she's an Irish Catholic and uh, all my family's Catholic. And he said, and then I invited my sister and she came and brought her husband. And then my cousin came and I mean, it was, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. It was just my family. And then, you know, a neighbor came and then my uh, sister brought her friend and then they came and then they brought their teenagers. And I mean, it's just us, but you know, um, it's good. We've been doing this for you know, about six weeks, seven weeks, you know, and um, he goes, it, it's some of the best experiences I've ever had. I mean, it's not a church. I just stopped him. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second now. Do you hear what you just said? This thing is growing organically. You're not even trying. And I said, I, I, I just want to say to you, don't even think about a church plant. Don't even worry about planting a church. You know, if you planted a church and you did the thing and tried to make it the thing um, in this big thing, uh, you you would you would lose what you have right now. And you've just told me this is your favorite thing you've ever done. It's not the agony because he was like, you know, when I was planting a church, I invited people. No one came. 
I go, just don't ever plan a church again. Just keep doing what you're doing. And, and, and really what, what I'm saying is what, what will happen sometimes is this kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're sharing, they're discussing people are getting saved. Like that's what he was telling me is like his family members are getting saved. They weren't saved. And so they're getting saved. They're, they're coming to faith. He's discipling them. Um, his plan is to disciple them. That was his main question is how do I disciple them to do these two? Because I want to keep doing this and inviting more and, He's he's planting a church, but once the burden was off of him of planting a church, it was sweet. And so what he's really doing is missional community model. And so what I told him is, look, it, it, there can be this weird thing where suddenly you realize I have something here and, and you can do a core team and then launch it and nothing happens when the sweet spot was just doing what you're doing in your core team. And I think a lot of guys need to step back and and rather than going, starting off, most core teams should start in a missional community model. I would say all of them really for, for various reasons that it builds relationship. Um, what we're talking about, uh, uh, with Hugh on the summit where he goes, Hey, your core team ought to just be throwing parties all the time, uh, with people around you and, 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 and making contacts. And, and then, you know, why do we feel at a certain point that we got to do a big launch. Every time we made a transition from our core team, there was a reason. So for example, when I was in Starbucks, we made a transition from uh, the Starbucks into a, an, a different public space simply because our people wanted to experience singing to God and worshiping and praising God. And, and they couldn't do that in that context. And we felt a certain responsibility to, to provide that for them. And it wasn't a forced transition. We didn't care if we moved out of the house as long as people, lost people were getting reached. We weren't trying to build a church. We were trying to reach lost people. The church naturally grew and was growing. And so we were like, it's not broke, don't fix it. And eventually we moved out so people could worship because Starbucks wouldn't let us sing in there. That'd be weird, right? You walk into Starbucks and everybody's singing Kumbaya. It, you know how I feel about praise music. So if I had to get that at Starbucks, they, they would lose a client. That's no doubt. I know. But you know, Pete, I just do want to say for attorney, you're going to be doing it. It's going to be good though. It's going to be good there. I'm willing to bet the music will be way better than the stuff we got oh, around yeah. here. We got no food. <laughs> we got no jobs. So true. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> you too, man. I'm just saying. Bono for worship leader. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And, and Pete's going to be over in the corner. He's got the power. Dude, Dude, I'm going to be the guy on the tambourine. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the tambourine and kazoo, or or dude, I want to yeah. be the guy that's got like the washboard stomach, the the symbols on his knees, and you know the drums and the kazoo. I, I want to be that guy. That'll be awesome. Oh, you're gonna be the music man I'm and a big trombone man. and a big trombone. I dig it. We're running out of time, aren't we? Um, yeah. But go ahead. Go I got on. I got plenty to say. I know. Keep going. Too much smack talk. Too much smack talk. So so anyways so. Uh, you know, the, the second the second conversation was the exact same. Guy felt he failed, got a job at a local brewery, a sweet job at Stone Brewery. And uh, he listens to the podcast. So I'm going to give him a shout out. But uh, 
But the same thing, he's doing the sweetness. And I, I found myself telling two planners this week, hey, you know what? Don't worry about doing the thing, like launching the thing. Just do what you're doing now that's working. Why would you change that? What you need to do, though, what you need to focus on is raising up more people like you, reproducing yourself, being thinking of yourself as Iron Man, and reproducing, creating war machine, creating a Hulkbuster suit and having other people hop inside of it. You need to start reproducing yourself so this can multiply uh, in your area. And, and to be honest, in San Diego County, these are the type of churches that thrive. Guys that that are trying to launch. I just know the statistics from from uh, you know what I do. One of the, the contract with Nam. Here's the deal. I know that most guys are plateauing in between 40 and 70 people. So, you know, to, to try to do the big thing here, it doesn't work. San Diego County is like Europe. So, you know, it's one of the oldest cities. And it, do they it's have been any big churches in uh, what's what's that? Do they have any mega churches in uh, San Diego? They do. Um, they've got the Rock, which is Miles uh, McPherson. That's a huge church. They have Horizon. Um, downtown in the city. And, uh, and those, those are the guys, man. It was kind of like, uh, I heard Kerry Newhoff talking about, you know, the only, the only hot dog stand at the ballpark. Once upon a time, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they were the only hot dog stand in the ballpark, like the one with the, the hip worship and the modern, modern service. And so people flock to that. But nowadays, that's not the case, right? Like you can't just, Hey, we got a good worship band and we got, People aren't going to flock to you for that. And and everybody thinks they got the next sexiest church on the map. And people don't give a rip. What people want nowadays is community, right? Facebook's given them a taste, but only a shallow taste. And they are, they're hungering for community. And when you can provide people community, they're like, man, I've never had anything like this. Another transition that your church plant goes from is from the core team to establishing leadership. So I got another call from another guy who's like, look, man, I got my core team and all of them are, you know, kind of waiting for me to promise them leadership. And, and I got a problem. My core team, not hardly any of them on my core team are leaders. And I don't know what to do. Like, how am I going to let these guys down? And I, I shared with them my story that there, there will be a natural transition and, and you don't have to establish leadership from day one. My first church plan, it was 18 months in before we established leadership. In fact, I was the reluctant leader. I didn't want to be the leader. I didn't care if there was a leader. I, I remember saying in core team meetings, hey guys, I'm here. I really don't want to be here. Um, I feel God's doing something. I'm a part of it. I told him I'd hold the door open, but he's got to walk through and do everything. And uh, here's the deal, man. Um, guys, if anybody wants us, take it. Now, please, you know, I'm out of here. And and I literally would say those things. I really just look around like, nope, you know. And and so when it came time to establish leadership, um, we just said, hey, you know, all you guys have been on the core team. And your core team, by the way, is your startup team. It's not your leadership team. The core team is everyone who came in the beginning and was there with you. They were the core group that prayed, that that did outreach, did all these things, but they're not going to be your leaders. Um, Paul and Paul demonstrates this in the New Testament where, you know, he talks about, you know, hey, 
um, select, uh, you know, guys that fit this uh, particular um, criteria. They didn't have elders in Ephesus. They didn't have deacons. They didn't have, you know, a, a lot of these churches that Paul leaves behind. He he lets their 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 leadership gift emerge. So he says, hey, you know, be, be careful. Don't lay hands on a man hastily. Um, wait, let, you know, get to know these guys. Some men's sins go clearly before them. Some men's sins follow after them. You need time with people before you start handing out badges, right? What is thy bidding, my master? Oh, yes. And if you can train them to say that, you're golden. But, uh, but your you. core team is not your leadership team. And in the way that I, I, I counseled this guy to, um, he, he was in jump school. So, you know, he, he gave me a, a, a ring and that's what I welcome the guys in jump school to do. If, if they have something that, where they've really got a problem. And I just said, Hey man. Oh, you when know, you said he gave do, me a ring, I thought you meant like your Batman ring. Like he gave you jewelry. No, but they can do that. Thinkgeek.com. That's it, it, pretty much anything off that site is good. And uh, by the I, way, I, I just got to notice that your birthday present was finally e- or mailed to me, so it's coming. Oh, well, you, you won't get it until you're back from Wales, but it's coming. I didn't know you cared. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I really bought two: one for me and one for you. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got you the um, the Night Rider thing, there's so many times I'm like, I'm gonna buy me one. I'm gonna buy me one. That thing was so awesome. For those of you that don't know, I bought Pete a uh, Night Rider phone charger for his car. So Kit talks to him. And of course, There's someone on the roof. Luke loves that thing. So put the, put oh. the car back in. Put the car back in. <laughs> Michael, I detect an enemy in the area. So great. Yeah. So anyways, uh, so going back to that, what we did is we say, hey, core team, you know, uh, you've been with us. We've, we've really become a family. And uh, we're at that stage now where we kind of need to establish leadership. And we're coming up to a time where, you know, you don't do this just to have it kind of like uh, Acts normally um, when the 12 appointed the seven deacons. It was because there was a need. You know, the time was ripe. They had more people and more needs. And so you don't just, oh, we need elders and we need deacons um, from the start. W- what we said is, guys, we held off. You know, those of you that know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that comfortable with my own leadership at times. And uh, my, my goal is to hand this thing off anyways. But you have probably uh, witnessed here that, um, you know, there are people that are just serving. And, you know, they, they call them deacons in the Bible. It means to serve. And, you know, I think it's going to be pretty obvious who those people would be. And, and I, I will tell you, both in Long Beach and in, uh, in, in Pillar, people just not. They know. They know what's coming. They know exactly who you're going to talk about because you're you're going to give the responsibility to the people that are doing the work, mm. right? They're doing the work of an elder. They're doing the work of a deacon. You're not you're not oh, you know, you want to be in ministry, well let me offer you the eldership position so you stay here. By the way, that always ends disastrously. If you got to do that for somebody, um they're not the right guy you want in leadership, right? Does that if you got to throw them a bone. Does that happen that? a lot where people are just like, uh, don't leave, I'll make you an elder. Oh, yeah. Because, see, for church planners, that's a, they, they'll see a guy that can help share some of the responsibility, and they don't want him to leave because they're like, I need him. And plus, he's a warm body, and I need people to validate my mm-hmm. church plan that I'm not a failure, which is a trap, right? You don't need anybody. Um, you, you, 
God doesn't need, he doesn't need you. Why, why would you think God needs that guy to stay in your church? So you, you just kind of say, Hey, you know what? Um, uh, guys, you know, the, you will find these people. And then you say, if there's any, any issue you have, you know, the Bible says there, there, there might be things that would disqualify them. If you know of anything that, that we haven't seen or, or thought about, by all means, come, come and let us know privately. And, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll consider that and weigh that. But, um, you know, Hey guys, we're, we're just going to let you know, um, if, if nobody comes to us this week, then we're going to lay hands on them next week and, and commission them in this. And that's how we do it. And that's a transition that your church plant will come to, but, but make sure it does it naturally. Both of these things need to be natural. I didn't mention Refuge Long Beach, but when we talked earlier about how we shifted, uh, from outside the park into the community center and then into the school, it was because of our childcare needs. That's why we moved. It wasn't, it wasn't because we're like, oh, well, you know, we'd feel better in a building. I mean, we've, we've gone back to a park where we still value outside, but our Sunday school needs a building now. And so when you transition, make sure you're transitioning, um, you know, because there's a need in both of these cases. And that's probably the golden takeaway from this uh, today. Mm. I dig it, man. I do. Always two. There are a master and an apprentice. Just saying. Just going to throw that one out there. (laughs) Yes. Who's more the fool? The fool or the fool who follows him? You know, I don't think I have that one. Oh, that'd be great. It's a good one, but I don't think I have that. But I do have <laughs> the good old standby. <laughs> have you seen the uh, Facebook video where it's got, what if Chewbacca was afraid of everything? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Instead of showing that, they're showing him screaming. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So, uh, so let me ask you there. I got a bad feeling about this. Wait, I do have that one. I got a bad feeling oh. about this. You have failed Must be me time for the last time. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Don't make me destroy you. I am your father. Dueling Darth Vader's. I kind of feel like I feel like whole now. Like this is this is, has been a complete podcast. Because yes. without that yes. other stuff, check please. It just it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. That's all I'm saying. At last, the circle is complete. Let me ask you something, Peyton. Would you consider yourself a math pastor? <laughs> Heck no. Heck no, Pete. I know. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, the only I reason know. why I ask is uh I know of this this great organization that they do all of the payroll, the bookkeeping, the insurance, they'll even help you design a website. They do everything for you. You have to call they do. Simplifychurch.com. Uh, that's so simple. That's so simple. It is, and you know what? They don't have a Y though on the end of Simplify. <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> It's like Mogib. Don't confuse them. It's like Mogib. It's anyway. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I should stop ruining their commercial. It's simplifychurch.com. They're uh, hey. They're a great resource for churches all over. Yeah, you're actually interviewing him for hardcore while I'm gone. You didn't know that. No, I didn't. I, he's actually the guy who called me about 20 minutes ago going, hey, uh, I thought we we're going to have a call at uh, 11 o'clock. And I'm like, well, Peyton. Oh. Pff, pff. Hey, 
It's cool, man. I'll be your scapegoat. You can throw me under the bus. Say it's my cool. name. But you know what, guys? Here's here's what happens a lot. Josh will tell me that that what will happen is guys get busy and they 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 start to go through the process, and then they're like, "Oh, I'm so busy. I have to put this off till later." Um, if you get in touch with him, he has a very quick boarding process, and he's going to talk on hardcore about it. But the reality is, um, don't put it off. He knows. He knows if you're not a, a math pastor. You're actually kind of scared to even start the conversation because it involves math. You know, what he, he actually will, told me too. The number one um, reason why they get contacted are by pastors' wives or church planners' wives who are like, "I don't want my husband going to jail over the tithe." Yep, because they're yep. that concerned about it. Yep, and they will send you monthly reports, P and Ls. I mean, if you've got campaigns, they'll track those for you. But uh, guys, don't put it off. It's going to save you um, tons of time. Just invest. Tell yourself, dang it, I'm going to sit down. It will take you um, probably uh, 20, 30 minutes to do it. And even if you shove them like, here's all my crap, like it's not very organized, they'll literally tell you, give us a handwritten note. Just give us what we need. And then, of course, you do give them not administrative rights to your bank account, but ability to view your accounts. It's that simple. Okay. And then they will take care of stuff for you and uh, they'll tell you the rest. But honestly, when I was talking with Josh today, he's like, yeah, no, so many guys, they start and then they just, when they eventually come to us and complete, it can be months have gone by because they're just like, oh, I don't have time. Trust me, it's peace of mind that you will have immediately for signing up. So I didn't know that until I talked to him, but yep. um, I can I can see it, man. I totally get it. Yep, yep. Get to the church plant! Get to the church plant! Go! No! <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, was Mickey Mouse saying, get to the church plant. I, I love the fact you're... Is that the recent one he did or the original one? That's the original one he did. It's great. I love that it's got you laughing in the background. <laughs> I couldn't help it, man. I'm like laughing <laughs> as he's doing that. So, well, I think we need to wrap it up, my friend. I think we do. I think we do. Lest, lest I say something that gets us in more trouble. There you That's go. That's a switch. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach a known, if you want to reach no nuns, one, <laughs> reach the nuns, duns, or the ones that nobody's reaching. Then you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.